Hello, friends, and welcome back to Spiritual Crypto. I'm in Portland, Oregon right now. I completed a cross-country drive from land I own in Western Massachusetts, um, where I built a tiny house this year. Some of y'all may be aware of that. But um, I bought the land with cryptocurrency in 2022. And today in this podcast, I wanted to talk about manifestation. So relating to that, like, I was living in the like, quote unquote, fancy house I'd been living in in the Hollywood Hills, which was a rental. Um, Some of y'all may also be aware that on move-in day, I found out that the previous tenant immediately before me had been the actress Amber Heard. And so it was like this really weird, trippy thing for me to have gone from being broke, working on seeds for many years, um, being on the verge of eviction or actually being evicted on multiple occasions. And um, yeah, and then all of a sudden cryptocurrency went up a lot and TikTok helped me, sorry, immensely as well. And I remember a voice or something in my, something coming from somewhere that wasn't what I understand to be me telling me to start posting on TikTok with more intention and consistency at a certain time. And I listened to it and I did that. And that at that time, like showed itself to be what helped seeds reach the next level in its evolution. And by extension, me personally, I guess, in a to an extent and like, uh, like my own growth, because certain limiting beliefs and barriers were removed through, through that process. But I, I feel that it was mostly, hmm, I mean, it was a financial evolution, because my financial access, my personal wealth, and certainly the wealth of seeds as an organization was, you know, like it got a lot bigger in what seemed like a really short amount of time after years and years of struggle and not much support. But I also understood it to be like, it was about connecting with people who resonated with the message and the way I was sharing it and who understood what it was and wanted to elevate it to that next level. And, uh, that's the big block for me now. And I know in stating that I'm <laughs> expressing the limiting belief and like keeping it alive. But um, yeah, what's showing up in my reality a lot is just this thing of I'm not able to connect with the people who um, can really elevate this. And in, in all aspects of my life, it showed up with the tiny house too. Like just not being able to find help, um, the kind of help that really just makes you better as an individual and just, you know, makes everything so much greater than the sum of its parts in terms of individual contributions. And that showed up with seeds and has showed up with seeds for many years. Um, I'm thinking about like, if I should go back to the Portland thing <laughs> first, because I'm getting off on a tangent that's related in my mind, but I don't know how clearly I'm communicating it. Basically, it was like, okay, so the California house was this manifestation finally. It was connecting with more people who resonated with seeds, but also just the idea, like some of y'all know this too, or many of y'all know this too, if you're listening to this podcast that, you know, I realized 2020, 2019, I guess it was 2019 that cryptocurrency was certainly by what would be the oncoming cycle, which really kicked off in 2020, I started to become aware that even though Seeds was not and still isn't well known as a cryptocurrency project or a project, it's still, that's the 
biggest <laughs> thing. There are certainly product improvements that still need to happen, um, but it's more about awareness of what it is, I think, that is the channel that we need to get through or whatever. Um, now I'm losing my train of thought. Oh, but yeah, back at that time, I, okay, so 2019-ish, I realized like, but even though that's the case and seeds isn't well known and there's complexity there in explaining what seeds is within the realm of something that's already viewed to be complex by a lot of people, because a lot of people who had heard the word cryptocurrency were just like, oh, I really don't understand that. And it seems too technical for me or something. But I recognized that I could start teaching this course, the, our cryptocurrency and how to trade it course, um, as a way to connect with the fact that, that the word cryptocurrency was much more mainstream at that time and getting more mainstream with every big upcycle. And I could include Seeds Cryptocurrency with um, course fees when people signed up. And that would be a way to try and help out nice people so that they understood the huge potential and could take advantage of the huge upcycles when they happened. And also it'd be a way to make people aware of Seeds. And so that idea worked and that coupled with being able to reach more people through TikTok is what got Seeds to, you know, like an entirely new realm and got me personally to a place where I could live in that a house like that after being broke for years and like technically homeless for years. I mean, I never slept on the street, but it was bad for a long time. And when I look back at what I was able to do, I mean, I don't know how I kept it going, like how I did that for, I did it for so long, like for so many years. I mean, it's already been nearly, gosh, I guess next, it'll be 11 years in February since I officially incorporated seeds, but I was working on the idea like either part-time or full-time for, I don't know, a good year and a half or two years before that, maybe even up to three, the idea was kicking around. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, but with the the thing in California, it was just like trippy to realize that for whatever reason, manifestation-wise, I had aligned with this house that Amber Heard had just left, and that meant that while she was living in that house, it meant that if you can follow like internet gossip and believe it or whatever, like she'd moved into that house after leaving her marriage to Johnny Depp. And she dated Elon Musk while living in that house. And one of the neighbors did tell me that they saw Musk Tesla at the house. And at that time, you know, like I moved in in March of 2021, you know, like he was so in the news and was often talking about Doge, the cryptocurrency. And it was really, there were some side benefits sort of in that it kind of, I mean, it, he moved the markets, which should be illegal in the way that he was doing it. And I think he did. I think the SEC did go after him because um, he would tweet and it would like make the prices change. Um, but also like it was interesting that I aligned with that form of energy. Um, like it showed, I remember I made a manifestation list of everything I hoped to find in a home as I was looking for a home during that period. And um, as with all manifestations that, you know, show up for us, I forgot about the list. I just set it aside. And it was only later, once I already lived in the house, that I looked back at the list and I was like, oh, whoa, like, you know, literally every item on the list, as always happens, 
came to life. I had manifested everything on that list. And it was with some struggle. I remember feeling kind of despondent, looking for a place. I talked about it on TikTok sometimes. It just, just finding a home on earth has felt so elusive. And it still does. And I really think it's just, I just don't feel like I'm from here. I feel like I've lived a lot of lives on earth, but somewhere else is home. And it's, I think it's just, I have to accept. The lesson seems to be about accepting that I just won't feel at home here. And to stop feeling so sad about that, to let it go and find equanimity with that. And I'm getting closer. I felt more of that shifting when I just did a Vipassana course, like, um, like a week and a half ago or something like that, that two weeks ago, I guess it ended. Um, yeah. So I manifested everything I'd consciously listed, but I'd unconsciously manifested landlords who were total shit. (laughs) And like, and that's been a theme forever. And that totally relates to what I was talking about. Like the big hurdle with seeds now and in my personal life, which is always the same thing. Like I, I think I've said this before in this podcast, but I think a lot about this idea that when somebody has created a thing, whether they're an artist um, working alone or an artist working collaboratively or a business person, whatever, your stuff that you have, your unhealed things show up in what you're making, right? And so for tech CEOs, like that's why a lot of big tech companies are terrible because the founders haven't worked out their shit and don't seem to have an interest in doing that. And it just warps the organizations. And Musk is another visible example of that. And I don't want to talk about that dude, but um, he's still very much in the public mind. Um, I can't believe, okay, I'll just rant about this a little bit, but yeah, like Walter Isaacson wrote a biography about him. Like, I know that Steve Jobs like turned that corner because I read the Steve Jobs, Walter Isaacson biography when it came out, which was what, 11 years ago now, I guess, because he died a while ago. I remember the apartment I was living in in New York when I read that book. And I remember how it seemed rushed because I think he died in October and they were clearly trying to get the book out by Christmas. Um, And I could have used another edit or two, I remember thinking. But I know that I had read at least that Steve Jobs had talked Walter Isaacson into writing a biography about him. um, Because previous to that, I think he'd written biographies about people like Ben Franklin. It just bums me out um, that the extension of that is then Isaacson writing about Musk I can't imagine. I haven't read anything about this. I don't know if Musk talked him into it, but it seems unlikely. I mean, Steve Jobs was always selling shit, but that's not Musk thing in the same way. It just, I don't know. I, I bummed out about being on this timeline, but that's part of the thing I have to accept about Earth. And and the public perception of that person has clearly Musk, meaning the public perception of Musk has changed a fuck ton and a lot has been revealed since 2021 and that's satisfying and makes me feel better about the trend we're on um, in terms of like more truth being revealed and more incompetence being shown and people who are perceived to be smart and who have a lot of power. Anyway, um, it was just interesting that though I consciously, you know, manifested everything on the list for that house in the Hollywood Hills, I unconsciously manifested landlords who were shitty. And I was so excited when I first met them. But is that even true? I was excited that they were a gay couple in their 50s with like a family, early 50s, probably. I thought like, oh, this is like the ideal landlord demographic. Um, 
which is a form of stereotyping, even though it's positive stereotyping. And it was just wrong. And uh, I mean, they damaged my things multiple times and like just ignored when I asked that they not do that. Um, it was just weird. And, and it just made me realize like, you can have this conscious list of things you're working to manifest and that's great, but we're always manifesting, right? We're always aligning with whatever vibration we're on. And I was, and unfortunately to today, still am to some extent aligning with this vibration of like people that kind of treat me shitty and people that I have to set strong, strong boundaries with who then ignore those boundaries. And, um, it's happening everywhere. And, um, yeah. And then there's like, it's like, as I wake up to more of it and I know it's a function of, you know, my family of origin being a narcissistic, it's a narcissistic family dynamic. And I was a scapegoat kid. It was targeted. And that's in my experience so far, been so many layers of just being unconscious of something and then dating the abusive boyfriend. And then, you know, having a lot of anger and sadness and finally getting out of the relationship and realizing like, oh yeah, that was also a narcissist. And then I realized it later about like childhood friends. Um, and it shows up and even like I've been having all these annoying health problems, nothing like super severe. I can walk around and, you know, I'm, I've just gained a ton of weight and don't really know why. And, um, my hormones are all out of whack and there's all the, all these gut issues, whatever. Just like, I think it is the type of thing though, that I shouldn't certainly be dismissive of stuff that's disrupting my life in this way. Um, but I also feel like it's going to be this kind of thing of like in 20 years, people will look back and be like, Oh yeah, so many people were having similar health problems. And it's actually a fucked up thing that like really does mess up your quality of life to a great extent. But like, it's not talked about yet because so many people's guts are messed up and people don't really understand how to treat that yet. And certainly Western doctors don't really know how to do that. Um, but yeah, even it's been such a search to try to find somebody that can help out with that. And it's been a lot of the same thing. I'm just manifesting that everywhere. Like just people that are not great to me and have some hostility and, and yeah, it's just, I've understood, um, that I was moving through what felt like this birth canal or something, you know, not to be too annoying with my metaphor, but, um, like, I think that is kind of a path. A lot of people that come out of narcissistic families will walk if you're the scapegoat kid. Um, and I feel grateful for that experience now too. I've learned a lot from having that childhood experience and I'm so certain I chose it coming into this life because it was going to help me on what I'm meant to, the path I'm meant to walk in this life and what I'm, I think, meant to do in this lifetime. Um, losing my train of thought again. But uh, yeah, birth canal. <laughs> like I, I understood that in starting to set boundaries with so many people in my life who had who were full blown narcissists or had many narcissistic qualities, you know, people that reflected what I experienced growing up. I understood that many of them would drop out of my life because people who are narcissists aren't interested in having healthy relationships. That's <laughs> not what that disorder is designed to do for them. Right. So I understood a lot of those relationships would fall out of my life 
what I didn't realize, I guess, at the time was that there would be such an extended period because it feels like it's been like five years now. Really, it was it was like June-ish of 2018. That's the last time I saw my family of origin. Um, so that's almost five and a half years ago now. And uh, but then I set like firmer no contact boundaries after more painful things happened. Like, I think it was, I think it was like right before COVID. So early 2020, very early 2020. Um, and, uh, I didn't realize that, that I would be walking this path alone for as long as I have since then. I guess I thought that there'd be more, um, healthy, good quality support showing itself through more people before, now. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't mean to in any way be ungrateful for some of the lovely people that I've met and the new friends I've made in that time. Um, and the people that have supported, you know, people in need through seeds, there's some really beautiful energy there. There really is. Um, but there's also been a lot of not great energy. And, um, and that I understand that I manifest as well, this sort of bending over backward too far kind of thing and still being met with hostility, even when trying to help and um, not being seen or appreciated for what I'm offering and the offering itself not being understood and seen and appreciated for what it is, by which I mean seeds in this instance. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I just feel so isolated now. I've kind of talked about this before, but there is this glimmer of hope. <laughs> I mean, I know as with everything and Vipassana helps so much with this, literally everything is impermanent, right? With the exception of things that are, you know, we don't fully understand about the universe, like unconditional love seems to last forever. And I think we, the source energy is very old, the source energy that we can rejoin. Um, but yeah, it's, can all condition things, I think is the closer translation to the Buddhist text. All condition things are impermanent. This too will pass. It's also impermanent. Either it'll pass in my life <laughs> or, you know, the way I feel about it will pass. I'll become equanimous and it won't affect me anymore or I'll die. <laughs> and like, whatever, like all of those things would make for change. I understand that. I, and I, it's, I find it comforting. It, I find that impermanence comforting largely because they're I guess because this life has felt because I don't I don't have a lot of happiness so far in this life so there haven't been a lot of things that I've gotten super attached to um except for my dog I'm very attached to my dog <laughs> which is another thing and that'll be another lesson to learn when he passes um he just turned nine yesterday and I'm like I find myself asking him like please stay with me for another seven years in this form if you're healthy and if you want to do that um, like tear up just saying it, but it's just, you know, it's like this isolation thing. Um, and he's become my family. He's, he's my family. And I have attachment to that idea of wanting something of a family, I suppose. Although when he's boarded or I'm traveling and I can't take him with me, I remember the freedom of that and how it's, I like that. I like that mobility and just being able to go and I'm still, you know, super able to do that way more than most people, especially most people my age. But um, yeah, I have to factor him in and take care of him, obviously. And there are some places and some things I can't easily do because I have him with me that I could do before. He's a little bit more of a high maintenance puppy, too, is the thing. Um, 
yeah, but I just thought, I guess I thought I'd come through this sooner. Um, but I also have this sense that, so the glimmer of hope I was starting to talk about was, okay, this also sh- shows up with home stuff and, um, yeah, just finding a home. And so after the, you know, I'd unconsciously manifested shitty landlords and, uh, it was January of 2022, I decided to go to Sundance. Um, is that right? Was it really 2022? Yeah, it had to be. Cause I didn't move into that place until 2021 in March. So I decided to go to Sundance, which is it in Park City, Utah, I think, right? I think that's where it is. So I like rented a car. I didn't own a car at the time. Um, and uh, I still don't technically own a car. I'm leasing a car, but rented a car, rented this cabin and took my dog. And then they like canceled the in-person part of it, like short notice because of Omicron probably like the or Delta or something, some new COVID variant at that time. So I just ended up like watching stuff like in this cabin on my laptop. They didn't even have, you know, like a smart TV or something. And I didn't have like Chromecast or something to watch stuff on a bigger TV. And I remember being like, wow, Sundance is actually not great. Like the quality of a lot of what I saw just made me think like, this is the premier film festival, like arguably in the world, maybe. And I mean, obviously some of that stuff, you know, gets further edited or a lot of it does before it's released later. But, um, and just the way they handled their tech was so shitty and their customer service. And I was just like, this isn't good. Like, why are there only like four things on earth that I think are actually good? And again, I think that (laughs) comes from feeling like I remember some other place that was like further along or whatever, like more evolved and more developed and stuff. Um, Wow, it's just such a big life lesson to just accept that this is the way things are here now and that I'm in it and I will be till this body dies and then maybe I'll be in it still if I have to come back here again. But yeah, so I was there and then the landlords did something particularly shitty while I was there. I remember being so angry. Um, Like, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it was for more disrespecting my space and breaking my things or like something along those lines and not taking ownership or accountability. I think I went for like a massage or something. Um, and I remember just sh- literally shaking with anger at this thing. Like it was just such a strong visceral surface level form of anger. Like I don't recall experiencing for a really long time. I've had rage like that come up during Vipassana courses and I guess that's a sign of progress too, like that it was, I didn't suppress it for 10 years so that it could resurface in a meditation course. I was experiencing it, you know, in real time. And I guess, yeah, I mean, I'm doing Vipassana near constantly now. Some part of me is like constantly, uh, near constantly scanning body sensations and has this awareness of their constant change and constant change out in the world, which is what Vipassana is, to see things as they really are, which is to say that they're constantly changing. Um, yeah, I was just so angry. And so I just decided to go East and I realized like, Oh, maybe I could just buy some land and I'll build something. And yeah, and that ended up being the saga. And I like went to Detroit and like looked at some super renowned houses there that you could buy for like $68,000 and it just wasn't working out. And I was running into that kind of deadened stonewally energy Um, which I think I need to just understand means I need to go in a different direction. I think I need to understand that more quickly. Um, It's just that I don't trust that I can find something better because I haven't seen a lot of that so far in this life. 
Um, yeah. Anyway, so then like later I remembered this town in Massachusetts because there's a meditation center there. And I knew like the reason they chose that town for the meditation center was because it was three hours from New York and two hours from Boston. And it's a cute little town. And, you know, I'd been there a little bit. And I, uh, so I found some land online and I literally said to whatever the universe, whatever, like if I'm meant to get this, bring in the money for it in the next, I think I said 24 hours or maybe I said three days or something, but it was a short amount of time. I think it was longer than 24 hours, but the money, all of it times like three came in, um, within like 24 hours. And I remember just sitting on my bed and just being like, wow, like more of this is going to happen like through seeds in the future. Um, and, uh, like I need to get ready for what's going to be happening for seeds in the future as it scales. Um, I'm used to, and I have this addiction, this attachment to this frustrated, I can't reach the right people energy. And, um, this it's a scarcity, it's a form of scarcity energy and a form of feeling, you know, like that there's withholding around me and I, I just can't connect with the supportive energy. Um, and that's going to change at some point and it'll show through seeds in a big way. So anyway, I took that as a sign that I should buy the land, which I did. And, uh, and then the crypto market came down as we all know. And I started to think like, and also, oh yeah, I was like looking at building like a conventional house and I even worked with a, uh, like a drafts person to modify some floor plans that I bought and I was thinking in fairly great detail about what exactly I wanted the house to be and uh, talk to contractors and stuff. And then there's just this weird misogyny. So I stopped working with those people and it was the right call. But then it was also just like with COVID supply chain issues, building a house like that was going to be like three times as expensive as it would have been before. And it looked like those prices would come down. So given that and that coupled with the cryptocurrency market being down, you know, I didn't want to make a huge purchase for me when the market's down and when it's way more expensive than it probably would be a year from that time or so, um, or two years from that time. I, the prices have come down since then in terms of supplies, but yeah. So it was just like, all right, I've been interested in tiny houses for years. I even like put a deposit down on a modular version in like 2017 um, which I think is sort of interesting because, uh, the energy we're in now is I think similar to the energy at that time. Like I'm thinking about the spiral course of progress idea and it's showing up in the cryptocurrency markets, but also like there's a certain floor that we're at now that we were also at. This is like, um, early 2017 that I'm talking about. Um, and, uh, this to me feels like for me personally and for seeds and for lots of things <laughs> like it's the spiral course of progress. Like we're at a dip, something of a trough again, but we're, it's a higher level. We've spiraled upwards since then. So exploring those low points again, it's just a higher floor than it was before. But I want to introduce more dimensionality to that idea, that idea with like the spiral course of progress thing, which is like, you know, that's how the planets move through the, um, the universe, right? It's not just that they're all revolving around the sun. The entire solar system is 
catapulting at great speeds through space, even as it's going through these cycles, right? And that's what I think about with this masculine feminine energy idea, yin and yang. It's like, you know, yang energy can be super propulsive and linear and like a male orgasm. And feminine energy can be very cyclical. And, you know, we see it in nature with the seasons and whatever, and even like menstrual cycles and stuff. Like, so when those things are working together, we get this spiral course of progress. But the way the world is designed now with too much unhealthy masculine energy in all of us and an overemphasis on that and humans of all genders, we're not getting that thing. We've got this disjointed thing that's more about focusing on masculine things to too great an extent. Hopefully seeds can help us align more so in, in this other direction that I think is healthier with that healthier balance of, of yin and yang, feminine and masculine en- energies, which again, you know, like I'm speaking about energies, not about identities or genders or sex. Um, but I believe that humans of all genders have yin and yang energy in us. This world, you know, is comprised of those energies in many ways. So, yeah, I was just like, what am I trying to say then? I'll get a tiny house because <laughs> 2017 was the last time I was visiting this sort of area of the cycle or something, but it was a lower floor. I was way broker then. Um, that really, I guess it was now it was late 2017. Is that right? But the crypto market went up a lot that year. Around that time, heading into 2018 is when I was so broke that I had to go back to my parents' house in Ohio, rural Ohio. Um, And I was like 33. So I guess that was 2017. I turned 33 in 2017. Um, And I like didn't really talk to them and certainly was had a hard time growing up there and stuff, you know, but that was like it was that or like I didn't have anywhere else to go. Um, So, yeah. This is not like that at all now. Um, I own land. I own a home outright and stuff now. But um, yeah, it was like, okay, tiny home because I could do that cheaply. I actually bought the tiny home kit with, I bought nearly all of it with free cryptocurrency um, that I got for staking. So you should stake. Absolutely take advantage of staking if you can. We have a video on our site to teach you how to stake if you want to do that. Seedsgives.com slash how dash two dash stake you want to check that out like for real like not staking in virtually every case it's it's like hiding cash under your mattress or something it's a way to put your money to work in a decentralized fashion when you stake with seeds you're helping people in need at the same time you're providing financial access so i had like done this staking experiment and it got me this free cryptocurrency that bought almost all of the kit like i said or the majority of the kit and um i was putting it together And, uh, yeah, so that was like the big thing this year in terms of me not knowing what the fuck I'm doing at all (laughs) and just learning. I'd never built anything. I built, it was me and like a local carpenter, um, and then a couple other local carpenters after the first one really fucked me over. Um, I think I've talked about that in this podcast before, but yeah, it just became this thing of like, like the roof wasn't done. And I just could not find someone to help me put the roof on. And I really wanted to put copper on the roof. And I bought this copper wholesale. Um, I thought that would help with meditation. I also feel that that has some connection to like this past life I feel I've had in Atlantis. And there is something called aura calcum, which I guess is largely copper. That like in myth 
or what we think of as myth, I guess, was present in Atlantis. I don't know. I feel really drawn to copper. I find pennies on the ground a lot, too. It seems like no matter where I am, it, I don't know, maybe lots of people do, but it just feels like, I don't know, almost like copper is also drawn to me, weirdly, or something. Um, but it was almost like something wanted to make that harder. I don't know if it would have really helped the meditation a lot. I mean, I think it might have really helped the meditation. There's this guy, uh, Robert Monroe, who like wrote books about uh, astral projection and going beyond that. I guess there's still an institute that he founded in, I think, Virginia, even though he died like almost 30 years ago. Anyway, I remember that when he first started astral projecting, kind of accidentally, um, afterward, he was like driving past the house that he was living in at that time. I think he'd moved from the house. It was in Westchester County in New York. And he was with a friend and he like pointed out the house to his friend. And the friend was like, oh, that's why you were so easily able to astral project there. Like, check it out. It has a copper roof that's shaped like a pyramid. I don't know. So I kind of wonder if there wasn't some energy trying to prevent that from happening from me getting copper on this roof. It wouldn't have been shaped like a pyramid, but, um, because that would have, you know, I could have elevated something more so or had more access to information or better energy or something if that had been present. It really felt like something was interfering is what I'm trying to say. Um, so yeah, I kind of, I had to give that up, it seemed, because I just couldn't find anyone that would help me. And I didn't feel that I could figure that shit out by myself for like a fucking like roof, you know? Um, and then, uh, so I just resigned myself to just like a regular metal, metal roof, met, metal roof, um, metal, M-E-T-T-L-E is like, maybe I, that's like a weird Freudian slip to like, cause that means persevering kind of, right? If you have metal, I don't know, maybe there's a reason I just said that or something. Um, whatever, like I, yeah, so I did at the last minute, really, another contractor had fucked me over, had said he'd do this and like, would give me this estimate by this time and blah, blah, blah. And then just like, I never heard from him again. And I went on that Vipassana meditation course a couple weeks ago. And somebody got in touch with me like two days before I left or something. I'd gone into town. I mean, I live in town, but like, kind of on the outskirts of this little town. I can still walk easily into town to like the grocery store and like I can walk to like three bookstores, which is pretty sick. Anyway, there's like a co-op in town and uh, that's where I'd usually go. And they had this actually really awesome bulletin board outside with like all kinds of local things that people are offering. I just moved my little sign, my little printed out sign on that board so that it was more visible. It was like my sign asking for help with the roof. And I think that's what did it What the, then brought this person in and he helped me out and it worked out okay. And I worked with him and he was also much more skilled and knowledgeable than any of the other people I'd talked to. And he lived in a tiny house himself and he built like four tiny houses. Uh, the largest was like 800 square feet. So that's like a house, a small house, but, um, yeah, so I mean that ended up working out. And I, I but I before that happened, I'd hit this point. I made some TikToks about it where it was just like after the contractor before him or carpenter before him had ghosted me. Um I don't like that phrase that much, but it it was just shitty. Like he said he would do something. He understood how serious the situation was for me. 
Um, you can't not have a roof on your fucking house in Massachusetts in like the winter. Your house will not, it'll, you know, if water gets in your house, then you're fucked. Um, so yeah, I like was very angry and just despondent. And it was like sort of a real trough and that feeling of like, oh, I really can't find help even about basic fucking essential things like having a literal roof over my head. I can't find help in this world, like no matter how fucking inspiring or good or whatever these projects that I'm working on are. I mean, a tiny house is a different thing than seeds, but I was making everything. That theme has shown itself, which again, isn't to say that I haven't had, you know, like really lovely people help at different times. Um, But yeah, I was just, you know what I mean? It was like hitting the grittiest, densest bunch of that energy, which hopefully was like a little bit of like the darkest, whatever part of the night before the dawn or something, because the guy that helped me really did help me out a lot. He really did. But before that, yeah, I started trying to build the metal roof myself. Um, so I literally, and I was proud of myself. It, it did really show me that I could do a lot more than I thought I could do. Um, cause I fucking, I managed to get on the roof. I like realized, oh, I could rent scaffolding. Um, and the, you know, guys at the rental place were just like, oh, you know, you, you're going to need help assembling this and stuff. And it was just like, I don't have anyone to help me, you know? So I managed to carry the fucking scaffolding across my acre of land and I could assemble two tiers, which was enough to get one side of the roof done in terms of the underlayment and like purlins, which are not words I knew a month ago or so. Um, but I couldn't do it on the other side of the house where it was a little bit further off the ground. And I just, I couldn't get, I didn't really, really try though. Maybe it would have been possible, but getting a third tier of that scaffolding up by myself just seemed just lifting it up to assemble. It seemed really hard. And I didn't know at that time about like a friend on TikTok, my friend Ryan said I could look for like rough terrain. Scissor lift is a thing. Um, so that's that thing, right? When you don't know anything, like I didn't know any fucking thing about building a roof beyond like what I'd seen in YouTube videos and like stuff I'd gotten out of conversations with carpenters, you know, when you don't know anything, you don't get the right tools necessarily. But so, yeah, but I was proud of what I was able to do all by myself and, and just in taking the action to do that, I did have more people sort of appear to offer help. Like I volunteered at this art sale in the little town um, through like the local women's organization and just met someone there who just offered to help, but which was really, really nice. He was clearly a really nice person. Um, But yeah, he wouldn't have been able to climb and like I couldn't, it meant that I was still going to have to get that rough terrain, rent that or anyway. So the, yeah, the guy that appeared to help had a bunch of ladders and a lot of experience and, And I got to, you know, I worked with him, which can certainly be helpful just as I know very well now to just like having a second person for the boring task, like handing wood up or whatever can really make a difference. And so I was that like carpenter's apprentice person and uh, the roof got done. Metal roof is on the tiny house and it got done at like 6 p.m. on a Saturday. And then I left for Portland early the next day on Sunday. So yeah. And so the glimmer of hope, (laughs) I mean, finding someone who actually did help me out with the house was great. I I still had anxiety about it because the dude, like 
wasn't always showing up when he said he would or there was that was mushier and like if somebody tells me they're going to be there at a certain time you know I want them to be there at a certain time for working together on something so and that puts me in that scarcity mindset again of just like the danger which comes from my family upbringing because like when you're surrounded by narcissistic dynamics when you set a boundary they'll punish you slash end the relationship And when it's a thing where you literally need them to help you build a roof, like that's the dilemma I've been in a bunch, variations of it. Like, oh, I'm that the roof thing is an extreme example or like the most sort of blatant example I can think of. Like literally I need a roof over my head and I need help to get it on the house. (laughs) Like, so is there this danger if I set this boundary with this person? Because when I set boundaries with an earlier carpenter on literally the same project, the attack was so vicious that I was crying about it for days. And I can't, I know I said that on this podcast before. I can't remember the last time I cried about anything for days. I didn't cry when my father died a few years ago, um, let alone for days. But that's because I'd spent lots of years grieving that unhealthy relationship prior to then. So that was encouraging, at least like the universe let that get done so I could come out to Portland. I very easily found this little rental house here. Um, Like, and it was another manifestation thing where I was just like, I found it online, you know, on Trulia or something like the same site where I found the house that I lived in in California, the last house, the Hollywood Hills house. And uh, yeah, and I literally just told myself, like, if this works out easily, you know, I'll take it, I'll go. And it seemed like my circumstances were unusual, right? Because I like kind of preferred to get a furnished house. I still have a bunch of shit in storage in California that I need to deal with, the stuff from the house in California. But yeah, it seemed easier to get a furnished house. And I thought six months or so could be cool. Excuse me, because I wanted to leave Massachusetts for the winter. And yeah, I just wanted to travel. And like everyone, every time I visited Portland... Um, you know, people have been super, super nice. So I wanted that. And I wanted more of a weird scene. And I wanted to like check out the clown scene here and start doing a lot of open mics to practice getting better at clown and whatever. Yeah. And so it just lined up like the next day, the person who owns the house was super nice and so cool. And like this fit her needs quite well also. So it was that thing of like thinking that my you know, more specific, atypical needs couldn't be met, but actually they aligned with the other person's needs really well. And yeah, and then the bigger glimmer of hope with that is that she's awesome. Like I have a good landlord, <laughs> finally. And um, and I also have a house that I can just go back to whenever I might feel the need to do that. Um, yeah, so that's the biggest sign I feel of something good that I just aligned unconsciously. I didn't make a manifestation list of like qualities in the landlord or anything. I wasn't even thinking, you know, I was just thinking like, oh, I'll try to get a house or something. I wasn't whatever. And, uh, yeah, just found like such a nice person (laughs) to be my landlord. And so now I'm here in her little house and she's hanging out in South America for a while and whatever. And my dog is with me and yeah, I can just hang out and explore Portland for six months and try and work on myself. I want to work on my health while I'm here. 
take off this weight, understand why this weight is even fucking here in the first place. And I, I kind of understand, but like there's a whole hormonal picture and like gut microbiome picture that I still don't understand. Um, and hopefully I'll have more clarity around that pretty soon, like any day now. Yeah. And then just like creative projects and stuff and then improving seeds. So it's ready for the next thing. Like the product improvements that still need to happen. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know, I guess I have more faith now really kind of as of this morning in, uh, finding lovely, helpful, fucking super smart, cool collaborators who take it to the next level and help me get to the next level and complement what I'm able to offer. Um, and creatively too, like I, I want to work on my clown, uh, screenplay while I'm here. And I also keep getting this thing, like something's trying to tell me to write a book and I've had, you know, an interest in that before. And I've even shared that idea with the seeds community before to see if there was interest. Um, and then didn't like what I thought a book would be about, like it didn't, I don't know. It didn't seem like it did end up wanting to be that. But yeah, in the meditation course I just did, that idea was coming in frequently like I am supposed to do that. Something like an essay book. I kept thinking of Sarah Pauly's recent book. Um, I can't remember the title. But yeah, just a collection of sort of like short stories from her life. Something like that I think is what I would try to do. But then I immediately hit that wall of just like, well, no one fucking cares what I have to say. And like, you know, having to face the face the pain of unhealed stuff that would be showing up through a lot of those types of stories that I think I would need to tell or want to tell. Um, and that's actually why I got on here today. I mean, I wanted to do a podcast for a little while, but um, I was just listening to like a YouTube video interview about writing books. And this person said that was talking about writer's block. And they said that like, well, we don't have um, talkers block. And I do find that like, it's, I enjoy getting on here and just talking and these things, you know, I have some general idea kind of, but not really like I just, of what I'm going to talk about, really I just get on and talk about whatever's going on in my life and what I'm thinking about. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> like it doesn't feel onerous to me to do this, to like use talking as a format to communicate ideas and whatever, even with video, even with TikTok now, like, I know we're past the golden age of TikTok and stuff, and it's a bummer, and that happens with every platform so far, because we haven't figured out how to get around that yet and stuff. Um, but yeah, like, literally yesterday and today, I was came across, somebody commented on this old video I made, this embarrassing old video, and like, I was just thinking that, like, I wouldn't make a video like that now. It's like too unsafe feeling on that platform to do that. And the comments that led me to that video were like vicious and fucking real mean and stuff. Um, yeah, it's just like, so that thing, that even feels like it's getting in the way um, on video, easy video platforms like TikTok where you can just like get on and say some stuff and whatever and it seems low effort and that's okay. Um, it feels like I should start making YouTube videos that are greater than low effort to reach the next group of people who will really resonate with seeds. And I have this clear sense of having, you know, like this at least six months in Portland. It could be a little longer because it sounds like the landlord wants to stay in South America longer. So I could extend the lease 
if I want to stay in this house for longer. Yeah, but just like using this time as sort of like an artist retreat um, and like a just a time to care for myself and try and nurture more of these projects along. And Seeds is one of those, <laughs> the biggest of those projects. It's not an artistic project per se, but um, yeah, and like I can do that and I can, it does feel like YouTube is a thing, but I keep getting shown this idea to do a book too. So maybe I could just try and like talk through chapters or essays that I would include. Hmm. That, that sounds kind of fun, which is what I should follow. If it seems fun, I should do it. Even if it's about some of like, I was thinking like, I want to write this story or a story that should be included in the book would be about how shitty Duke university is and about my experience having to deal with them when speaking up about rape stuff. Um, and just going into that seems like such a drag cause it was so awful. And so like, I mean, I knew at that point that, uh, and said that I tried to reach out to journalists to talk about what was happening and got some shady messages from people that worked at Duke and a student journalist at Duke who was like, they killed the story because they were like, they wanted to research me to see if my claims about the rape were legit. Um, that was more of interest to them than looking into the rapist. Um, and I was very open to that, but they didn't give me that opportunity to, they just killed the story because they were afraid of liability because they're a shitty fucking evil place. Someday I'll hate them less. Um, maybe, hopefully. Whatever. So I was thinking about writing that story. Um, and what I was just going to say was that I remember telling a journalist I did speak to around that time that, like, I was speaking up then because I understood I was strong enough that uh, by that time to do that. So I could speak. I was strong enough to speak about it, you know, like for other people who hadn't reached that point yet where they were strong enough to speak about their experiences with rape. And I remember I started crying when I said that. And I was very clear that, you know, I wasn't in that place. I wasn't healed enough to do that, you know, six months before that time or something like that. And it was just a fucking, like it was, I would say it was more traumatic to try and deal with the cops to report rape and deal with the institutions like Duke. That was more traumatizing than being raped itself. Like, I, yes, I would say that was my experience. And uh, and there's complexity there. It didn't happen at Duke. It wasn't a thing where I was raped on campus and they tried to silence me type of thing. It was a different situation. Um, but yeah, whatever, I can save it for the book. But yeah, I could just talk about it, I guess. Yeah, maybe I'll just record a bunch of potential essays and talk through them, and then I can start to see what the meat of those stories really is. And if it seems, it, it seems weird to say it, but it does kind of sound enjoyable to even talk through those things. Maybe I could even include that with the book. That would be kind of interesting to me as a consumer of something somebody made. I hate that word consumer, though, in that context when it's like a creative thing. But like, if I could read something somebody wrote, but then also like hear their voice recording of the thing coming together that would be really fascinating to me hmm yes and that's like an idea that didn't occur to me before right now because I'm talking about it so yeah Portland trying to bring things together trying to um 
trying to do some self Vipassana courses while I'm here as well. As I'm recording this, it's the Tuesday um, before the week of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is next week. That's right, isn't it? It seems early. But yeah, I think it's, yeah, Thanksgiving is next Thursday. Um, and I'm going to take that time to try and do a Vipassana self-course here in the house. And I can feel, I mean, this isn't a, you know, <laughs> I'm not living in a meditation center. It's like a house that was used for a lot of other purposes. And you can feel that in the energy. And that's part of why it's easier at a meditation center. There's just that energy and that vibration really builds up over time. And it really supports your practice. But I'm hoping I'm developed enough that I can do it. Even though I'm living in this house too. It's not like a hut or something I'm going to. I have like my friend Ryan was able to do that rented a hut in Scotland and did her own self course, which is impressive. It was only like her second course too. Um, but hopefully I can do this. I'm going to try and, uh, that should offer more clarity and whatever as well. Um, yeah, but I feel sad still. And I feel this body, man, like I'm in this body and I just feel like I don't understand it. It feels like I'm at a pinnacle of that confusion and not knowing how to care for it thing. And just feeling like a fucking weird, unwieldy beast sort of like not a beast (laughs) not to whatever be too extreme but it just doesn't feel like I'm in this body I know I'm in it it just doesn't feel like a home it doesn't feel like something I can land in and these health problems and whatever I feel like they're extensions of that um but I think they're also showing up to really force me to learn how to take like pristine care of it um, so that I can come out the other side, sort of much more grounded on earth through this body than I think I've ever been before. That seems like it's what's trying to happen, but the journey of it feels really discouraging right now. Cause I just feel like it's like my, um, I thought a lot of my inner critic had been released. All right. You know, if you asked me, I don't know, 10 years ago, I would have told you that I didn't even feel that I had that much of an inner critic, but I was an Enneagram type seven. I was running away from my pain a lot. Um, and as I've healed more and sat with the pain and, you know, to become equanimous with it and release it, um, really though now more than ever, I'm much more aware that my inner critic exists and is fucking strong and kind of vicious in a way that I didn't, I was never conscious of before. So that's a good sign of progress. Becoming conscious is, you know, at least half the battle a lot of the time. I shouldn't use every like battle, like everything is in like warfare terms or whatever, but you know what I'm saying? And, um, yeah, it just feels like, like I just got to fucking port. Like I said, okay. Right. Like I finished the roof with this guy who helped me 6 PM on a Saturday left to drive cross country with my dog Sunday morning. I did take an extra day in the Detroit area. Cause I saw friends there. Um, which also, like bum me out because it really felt like I don't know that we're going to keep going. Like, I don't think they're coming with me on my journey and vice versa kind of thing. Like, I think we'll always be friendly and stuff, but like, it just didn't feel like, you know, that person unfortunately is like part of the tribe or whatever that I'm hoping to align with. And they're one of my oldest friends. Um, And there was real love there and still is, but yeah. So that was something I was thinking about a lot on the drive too, that it's like, I keep trying with people that I, 
I sense, if I'm truly honest with myself, aren't coming with me on my journey, whatever, this journey. Um, and I think maybe it's just the energy is just trying to teach me to let go. Like if it's, you know, meant to be, it'll come back to you kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I f- finished the roof, manual labor, <laughs> right? I was cleaning up the yard and all that stuff. Um, you know, so I finished it on a Saturday. So like we worked through the week and I was doing my regular seeds responsibilities too. And then I drove cross country and, uh, like, you know, a 45 hour drive plus that extra day in Detroit. So I did rest some that extra day, but I was hanging out at my friend's place that day too. So yeah, of course, whatever. What I'm trying to say is like, so that happened. And then I got to Portland and I was obviously fucking tired. I got here on a Friday afternoon. So it's the weekend anyway. And seeds is Monday to Thursday work. Although sometimes I still end up working on Friday when I need to be better about honoring that boundary. Um, so of course I was fucking tired. And so like, I didn't do anything. And, um, and even on Monday, I still took care of my seeds responsibilities, but like laid around a lot during the day. And I was being so shitty to myself in my head about it. Um, specifically because I didn't exercise beyond walking my dog, but like it's body stuff where that's showing up the hardest. Um, yeah. And, and I'm fucking, I'm legit like officially middle aged now. So like, that's not makes that whatever that makes it harder for your body to be whatever it could have more easily reached when you were younger. Right. Um, whatever. So yeah, I was just, the point I'm trying to make is that I didn't realize my inner critic was that strong and it was hard on me about something read more like from a rational standpoint, pretty ridiculous considering I'd been doing, you know, like nine or 10 hour days, including the drive almost every day for two weeks straight with no break. Right. So like Jesus Christ, Um, I didn't know my inner critic was still like that. I didn't even really think I still had one and the it's loudest about my body stuff. So I guess that's why this is showing up now. Cause that's something that really needs to be healed and released. Um, so here's hoping that this six months in Portland with a short trip to London while I'm here, I'm going to do like a five day clown workshop in London. Um, But yeah, for the most part, I want to stay here and just be a part of the culture here and keep developing and working on these projects Um, and setting up a good structure for myself to support myself so that I can do that so that I can I have the structure that's necessary for real creativity to come through. So I need to understand what that is and put it together. And I don't feel that I really have a sense of that quite yet. Yeah, so that's the other thing, right? We manifest people who treat us the way we treat ourselves. So this is showing me another facet of an area where I'm not being kind to myself. Um, and so then of course I'm aligning with people who also aren't kind to me in the way I would hope, um, when I'm, you know, on that wavelength because I'm doing it to myself. So yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I feel better having, talk through this here. These really kind of are like, you know, like self therapy sessions that y'all humor me in listening to. Um, but to be fair to myself, I would find other people's therapy sessions to be fascinating. 
Um, I don't know if these are so fascinating, but, but I think they do help. Yeah. All right. I'll stop there. Um, I appreciate y'all for listening. If you want to help someone in need through seeds and get seeds, cryptocurrency, and thanks, you're always welcome to do so at seedsgives.com and it's super appreciated. All right, y'all take care. Bye.